We have a good old friend uh, in the studio with us. It's Jim DeMint, who represented South Carolina in the U.S. House. He was uh, he was a real leader when he was in the in the House, and uh, uh, a guy we could always always uh, trust. He went to the Heritage Foundation, and now he is the chairman of the Conservative Partnership Institute. And he has um, authored a new book, co-authored a new book, Conservative, Knowing What to Keep. Jim, how are you? Glenn, I'm great. And it's, it's been too long since I've seen you I in know. studio here and uh, really proud of what you're doing. I appreciate you. your voice of reason. Um, and the way you introduced this idea about a minute ago, it makes me wish I'd, I'd let you read uh written the foreword uh, uh, along with Jim Jordan who who wrote it but uh, it's great to be back back with you. you I would like to introduce my co-author yeah. and colleague Rachel Bovard uh, Rachel has been a, a leader in the house in the senate uh, she has been a key staffer uh, for me in the senate with the steering committee as well as at the heritage foundation but there was a group of us at uh, heritage who left to start the conservative partnership because we realized we elect a lot of good people. Most of them go bad because we don't take care of them once they get there. And we help them get good staff. We've got a place where congressmen and senators can get together, develop camaraderie, and most importantly, develop some consensus on what they want to do and how they want to do it so they have a little more leverage to push things in the right direction. Uh, But Rachel is a senior partner now with the conservative partnership, She's about half my age, and she has <laughs> been very articulate about conservative ideas. She leads a lot of the staff training at, at the Conservative Partnership of Senate procedures and House procedures. So she made the book a whole lot better. So um, let, let's start at the beginning, um, because I don't think the conservative movement even knows what it is. Yeah, I think that's where we're at and why we thought this was such a good opportunity to sort of step into this space, because everybody's trying to define conservatism. You have the left trying to say we're a bunch of racists, racists and bigots and, you know, anti-change people. You have folks on the right who aren't really sure what it is that we want to stand for. But conservatism, generally speaking, you know, you kind of touched on it. It's not a bunch of reflexive policy positions. Mm -hmm. It's really a set of principles. It's really a philosophy of gratefulness, to be honest. Right. It's looking back and saying, wow, this is a profoundly uh, amazing experiment and it's working and why? And what is it about that experiment that we want to keep? What has been tried and failed? Mm-hmm. What is it that we want to keep? And how do we move forward uh, with prudence? And it's really a, an important balance because if, you're, if you are just conservatives and you say, no, leave everything alone, <laughs> that's not enough. Right. You have to have the people who are saying, okay, it is working, but it, it's this particular piece doesn't seem to fit yeah and so conservatives can't uh just be knee-jerk i want to save the country what does that even mean well this is a key distinction i think too between the left and the right particularly when it comes to liberals and conservatives liberals approach what you're saying is okay well none of this is working so burn it down yes destroy it right start over conservatives say okay we count we counsel prudence there's obviously something going wrong here let's figure out what it is but we have, you know, hundreds of years of history behind us. We never re- re- reinvent the wheel, really. Mm-hmm. So what has worked in the past? What can we keep? And, and what do we change going forward in a reasonable, prudent manner? Mm-hmm. So. so how are you going to get there? How, what are the things that we're supposed to conserve? Well, Glenn, I'll just reflect on what you just asked for a second before I get to that part. But I was in business for 25 years, and a lot of it, I, I worked with companies on continuous quality improvement. 
the point there was to understand best practices or and understand root causes of problems. But businesses look at each other to find best practices to build on. It's right. the way conservatism works. Right. Like you said, it's not that we're against change, but just everything we have, if you take your iPhone out of your pocket, is a result of years of building on little successes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And changing every year. But you don't throw everything out every year and start over again. But the essence of conservatism, the things we want to keep, we brought a lot of things forward from Russell Kirk in his, from his book, The Conservative Mind. And he's considered one of the, uh, the, the founders of the conservative movement. But ideas like keeping our covenants, that, that may sound strange to someone in politics, but America is a covenant nation. We the people, I have a covenant with you as a fellow citizens and with people I don't know that that's a different relationship than us all living under the rule of a government and we the people have made a covenant covenant with god and our and our government uh, a limited government at the federal level but people today are kind of disavowing that covenant they burn the flag they they kneel at uh, when they, our anthems being played it's a way of saying i am not in covenant with you it's an important idea if you want a diverse people to live as one together You've got to believe that you are one. Well, you you have to, and I, I wrote about this um, about a year ago. We've lost our unum, mm-hmm. e pluribus unum. There was something, and I think I know what it is. There was something that brought all these diverse people, the most diverse population ever in the history, like like not even close to any other place in the world Mm -hmm. and came together and somehow or another we all got along because we agreed on one thing we don't even know what that one thing is anymore yeah and i think we 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 try to touch on that with the covenant philosophy but also on this idea that you know you can keep our differences we can keep our differences and still be a strong country still be a strong america still be strong conservatives but more and more i think as you see this sort of march towards socialism even that is not okay anymore. You know, it's not okay for me to have different gifts than Senator DeMint because oh, yeah. I might achieve something he doesn't. And, Correct. you know, the, the outcomes have to be the same for everyone Correct. or it's somehow inherently unfair. That is a total distortion of of everything America was founded on. So keeping those differences and, and the ability to exercise them is a critical formulation. So what do you mean by the covenant? What do you mean by that? Because we are a covenant country, but I'd like to hear from you what that means. Well, we wrote a whole chapter on it, and I hope you'll read that, but I'll try, I'll try to summarize the idea. It's, it's different than a contract. You and I have a contract. It's, it's quid pro quo in a sense that you have to do something, I have to do something. A covenant is, is, is a relationship like in marriage is a covenant, uh, for better or worse. We're, we're together. We support each other. Families are, in effect, a covenant. And you join a church, and in effect, you become a covenant member where you are have the best interest of others in mind that's part of the covenant not just yourself you're not just an american to see what you can get out of things it really goes back to like president john kennedy he said you know ask not what your country can do for you ask what you can do for your country so it, it is a mutual caring about each other even though you may not know each other you may have complete differences but the point we make in the book particularly the chapter on keeping our differences is the way to live together in harmony is when you have all these differences is respect each other's differences and allow people to have different beliefs and ideas. And 
frankly, we haven't lost that as a nation. We've lost it in politics, in entertainment, in the media. I travel enough to know that Americans still love each other. People of all races, they get along. Uh, We've still got the glue, but people at the top are trying to destroy it. The problem is, and this is what our founders knew, the federal government has become too important. Mm -hmm. And so politics, everything is is political now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely everything. You can't do a comedy show. You can't go play a game. You can't you can't do anything without it being political. And that's the exact opposite of what our our founders wanted. Yeah. And conservatives, I think that's another big difference between us and the left. Like their religion is politics. Their entire life is politics. And for conservatives, politics is actually a pretty small part of who we are as Americans. You know, we our culture is important. Our community is important. Our raising our children is important. You know, politics sets up the structures for us to be able to do that, but it doesn't control every decision that we make. All right. More in just a second. The name of the book is Conservative Knowing What to Keep. Uh, It's available today, uh, and uh, I have not read it. My apologies. I don't like doing interviews without reading books, but we have a special tonight, and all of us on the staff have had about four hours sleep in the last week. Uh, So uh, I promise you I will read it. Uh, Conservative, knowing what to keep, it's available at bookstores today. Back in just a second with more. Talking to Senator uh, Jim DeMint and Rachel Bovard, the book is uh, Conservative, Knowing What to Keep. I have one question for you, Senator, uh, not related to the book. Okay. Okay. It's related to another book, uh, Tim Alberta's American Carnage, which came mm-hmm. out a, a couple months ago, told the story of the past, you know, whatever, you know, 10, 15 years of the conservative movement. Right. There's a story in there about a little rally that Glenn Beck did in Washington, D.C. Some in the audience might remember it. About 500,000 people were there restoring honor on the mall. In the story, and I want to, in the book, uh, Tim Alberta's book, he tells the story, and I want to confirm it with you. He says, the next Monday, all the Republicans get together, they're meeting, and one, one solitary Republican stands up for the people in this audience. One, Senator Jim DeMint. Is this accurate? It's a true story, except it was on Tuesday. When Tuesday. We, we come back in, uh, there's a policy meeting of all the Republicans. This was after the giant uh, rally uh, I think there were more like a million people once you, mm. you stood there and you saw mm. the right and the left, an incredible wave of energy of great Americans, of, of people who, it, again, it was not so much about politics. People said, I've never done anything like this before, but yeah. I felt like I should have done uh, do something. And Glenn, you were a big part of the inspiration of that. But what really set me back is I believe that this was the big tent that Republicans had been waiting for. Mm-hmm. All that we talked about was part of the Republican platform of just some fiscal sanity and looking at the Constitution and trying to balance the budget and not doing all these government giveaways. But we came back, and at lunch, this was the Republican Senate policy meeting, we had the whole meeting, talked about all this trivia and everything. It never came up that there were a million people at our front door that last weekend uh, asking to be a part of what we we said we believed in. And I just stood up at the end of the meeting and just said, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe that we had all of these people coming to support our ideas and not one of you have mentioned that they were even here. And and I believe the Republicans lost years, decades of possible majority rule oh, yeah. Big time. by stiff-arming the whole Tea Party movement. Big time. Hmm. 
Big time. Big well, thank time. you for doing that. Sincerely. Um, so what should we be conserving? Because right now people feel like nobody's listening to them. Um, if they feel uh, that they've already done everything they can and they got stiff armed. Yeah. Uh, and now they feel the the Democrats are out of control just with this vendetta against the mm-hmm. president. They're, so they're all getting juiced up because the media is so corrupt, so corrupt. Washington is corrupt. And I don't think anybody's talking about anything except get them. Yeah. So well, how do we change well, that? Well, this book explains what's going on in Washington right now. It's not about Trump. It's not, not about Ukraine or, or Russia. It is about this clash of worldviews. And the motivation of the left, as I mentioned before the show, Glenn, you were a lot of the inspiration. More than 10 years ago, you were mapping the organization of the left, talking about their motivation, their their drive towards global governance. And we get into that in, in detail and contrast it with what we want to keep. But to answer your question about what we want to keep, for, forget politics for a minute. As a nation between citizens, we're in covenant with each other. Uh, to build better lives for each other. We want to keep our faith. Uh, Russell Kirk talked about believing in a transcendent order. That's what allows us all to be accountable to a permanent, fixed, uh, kind of moral uh, scheme, even if we believe different things. Uh, you're keeping our differences. Celebrate our differences, whether we came or different religions, different races, different genders, but we don't have to believe the same thing in order to get together or go to the same schools or have the same health care or have the same retirement plans like the, the left is pushing us to. But keep our republic. That's one of the things we forget is our country was never intended to be a national democracy. Um, that's why you have the Electoral College. That's why the, the, the state legislators appointed senators is it was intended that the states operate more autonomously and that the federal government be limited. If they would have done this, I mean, the great example of of the failure and we're being pushed into the same kind of failure now is uh, the European Union. Exactly. If the European Union would have just allowed each country to be itself. Right. Without saying, oh, you want to fly the Italian flag? You're a racist. Just let them be. Italy, let them be Sweden, let California be California and Texas be Texas, and we can all live together. It's when somebody is on top trying to jam it down your throat that people say, I don't want that. That's exactly what we talk about here. People can live together with all kinds of differences unless somebody steps up and say, you have to be like me. You have to believe like I do. Then you create the tension. But we need to keep our traditions. Uh, uh, Glenn is... uh, we we don't need to throw out everything from the past. We do need to find those things that aren't working, that aren't fair, that aren't equitable. Uh, and in our Declaration of Independence, our, our Constitution keeps hearkening us to those right ideas, and mm-hmm. people want to throw it all out because we didn't get it all right from the beginning. Yeah, well, I, I, I remind you that uh, Apple, which everybody seems to love, Apple started with the Macintosh. It sucked. And then they went to the iMac. That sucked, too. You don't throw everything out from Apple because they started with the Macintosh. Yeah. Yeah. We do, you know, Edmund Burke, the French philosopher, you know, who built a lot of this conservative philosophy, said we stand on the shoulders of giants. We look ahead because of the work that's gone before. And like Senator Dimon said, not all of it's been perfect. No one claims that. 
But throwing it all out and starting over isn't the best solution. There's a great quote that we use from Russell Kirk that says, you know, you cannot improve a society by burning it down. The job of a conservative is to seek out the old virtues and bring them back into the light. And I think right now, to your point, it's more important than ever that conservatives know what they stand for because our politics is shirts and skins. Okay, so we have a minute. So how can people get in touch with you besides getting the book? How can they? Is this a movement or is this a book? We can't build a conservative movement unless we define what it is. And and that's part of what we want to do. I've been trying, and I know you have for years, to build, to lead a conservative movement of people who are trying to keep those things that make this country great. Okay. So start here. Start with the book, Conservative, Knowing What to Keep. If you are interested in in what got us here, in the good things that got us here, and making sure that we prioritize and we know what we're fighting for, start here. Conservative, knowing what to keep. Thank you both. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. God bless. Back in just a minute. Welcome to the uh, program. I'm glad you're here. Tonight, we have a special that um, our staff has had literally about four hours sleep a night uh, trying to get this ready. We have uh, moved as as quickly as we can uh, to be able to bring you the scandal explained, Ukraine, the Democrats, Russia. Uh, And the main thrust of this tonight is a timeline. The media wants you to focus on the phone call. Okay. Let them focus on the phone call. Let's zoom out. How did we get to the point of that phone call? What happened before that phone call? What was the president asking for in that phone call? They are now, uh, uh, Kurt Volker is uh, now uh, going to be testifying uh, in the impeachment hearings. And he is saying that he is saying that he's not going to take the fall for Trump. They were they were absolutely pressuring. Well, they should have pressured. In fact, the Ukrainians were pressuring us to let them investigate and to work with them on investigations. But it was crushed, and it was crushed by the Obama administration and by the Obama appointees, and we'll explain that tonight. Our chief researcher and the guy who has helped put this timeline together, uh, Jason Buttrill, is uh, with us. Hi, Jason. Hi. So what is the main takeaway that surprised you when you looked at this? So we talking about before, like we started just looking at every everything we could possibly think of of what the Democrats were doing in Ukraine. Like if they're accusing the Trump administration of manipulating the election and and using their power to you know, uh, to influence other governments. We've got a strong case. We've got hints that they've been, they were, they'd been doing that in Ukraine for years. So we went all the way back to 2014, mm-hmm. all the way back to 2014 and started documenting every single thing that the Obama administration was doing there. But as we started putting all that stuff on the timeline and we started checking other dates, like when did the Russian investigation really start? When did it officially start? And then when did it kind of start, you know, underneath you know you know in in the bowels of everything Mm -hmm. within the dnc who had this idea where did that who first said ah trump and russia 
So when we started looking at that, we were like, oh my gosh, like these dates match up exactly when, uh, w- w- like when was uh, Fusion GPS first hired by the DNC? Mm-hmm. That's a very significant date, and it corresponds with things that we dug up and put on our timeline. You've heard Bruce Orr and that his wife was with Fusion GPS? Yes, I know his wife. Is Le- uh, isn't that the uh, Lisa Page? No, that's the, no. Uh, that's the no. other one. <laughs> I, yeah. get the, I get all these these. No, uh, Bruce Orr and his wife... She's obviously called Or. I don't remember her name now, but we'll have it tonight. Hmm. And when you when you you know that she called uh, her husband and gave him some information about Fusion GPS. Okay, Fusion GPS has this information about uh, about Donald Trump and Russia. But when you see this not in an isolation chamber, when you see everything that is happening around her. And around uh, this investigation at that time with the Democrats, all of a sudden it becomes crystal clear. These are not one-off events. This is the problem. These have been spilled out one at a time. It'd be like if you said, you know, there was a break-in at Watergate. There was a break-in, and these guys, they, 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 they broke in and they were trying to steal something. Well, okay, there's one story, and then... You've got uh, the president was uh, ordering a cover-up, but you not connect the dots between the two. So you have these events, and if you don't know that they are connected, if you don't look at what's happening all around and all of the players, you're never going to find the G. Gordon Liddy. You're never going to find how it all ties together because they're keeping everything in an isolation chamber. And that's why they're saying now, got to look at the phone call, got to look at the phone call, got to look at the phone call, look at the phone call, look at the phone call, look at the phone call. Don't look at the phone call. Come back to the phone call. Look at everything else first. Before we started doing this uh, investigation, I think now is a better way to put it than just research. I used to call the Russia, you know, the Putin and his intelligence services, what they did in our election, probably one of the largest intelligence operations in history. Um, it was huge. It, it, was, it was massive. They're mm-hmm. hacking. Everything they did was huge. By the way, Jason was former military intel. All right, go ahead. And But I'm changing it now. I think the largest intelligence operation in history is what the DNC was pulling off in around 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. The coordination is staggering. Staggering. You have opposition researchers, lawyers, doing all of this work for the DNC. At the same time, as they're feeding that information through uh, companies like uh, Fusion GPS. Mm -hmm. Which is then having the wife whisper on the pillow, which then goes to Intel and Justice. I mean, it's it's sick. While that's happening, at the top, you have through DOJ, through State Department, through CIA... Uh, through FBI, you have officials coordinating with Ukrainian government officials. Basically about the same information. The information they're getting from one end, they're saying, we want you to now look at this information that uh, you know that we just think is important. The, the, and, and, and the Ukrainians are complying. Every, everything they've accused Donald Trump of. Everything. They, everything. Everything. They've done. And we have it. We have it all on the timeline. When you see it... Everything they said was happening with Russia was actually happening in Ukraine, except it wasn't happening with Donald Trump. We have people on record. You are going to hear a tape tonight that you've never heard before that we had translated. It has already gone through a Ukrainian court and two people went to prison 
for meddling in the U.S. elections. Now, how did we not hear about that? Two people in Ukraine went to prison for meddling in our elections? Well, you haven't heard it because uh, the tape shows who they were working for. Now, do you think that's kind of important? Wait until you hear this. Wait until you see the court records. Wait until you see the timeline. All of these stories that have happened in our lives that we were all told uh, don't matter, don't matter. This one matters. That one doesn't. When you see it and we bring to mind in the timeline so you can see, oh, wait a minute. What, what else was happening on that day? What happened right after that meeting? What happened right after that was exposed? <laughs> there's, there's no other way to read it. There's no other way to read it. I mean, it does seem I'm I'm very excited to get into the meat of this. I mean, I've I've only heard sort of this outside sketch at this point. Stu has been Stu's been helping produce all of the shows that are we're doing on top of this, uh, and is really kind of pulled. And he was in the beginning of it, and now he's going to be pulled in again today. So he hasn't seen the chalkboard. Yeah, I've seen all the pieces yeah, in different in different places, but putting them all together, I think, is going to be pretty compelling. We and- we stood last night, Nathan. Jason and I, we stood, what did we work on this thing, for two hours yesterday? We worked two hours just on the chalkboard. And I kept going, wait a minute, get this piece. Wait a minute, get this piece. And as we started putting all of it together on the chalkboard, all of us at the end stood back and went, holy cow. We didn't even know what we had until we put it all together. It's it's remarkable. Jason was doing his research. Nathan was doing his research. And we put eight months of of research together you know it's kind of like what they did with you know 9-11 hey this department had this information this department had this information but they didn't talk to each other we've been gathering information the three of us and then put it all together and we're all like holy cow look at this i can't wait for you to see it i think the trump administration has known all of this information from the get-go i I have a feeling too and we 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 saw a press conference with sarah huckabee sanders back in 2017 where she basically said that exact same thing. Like, she, she hinted on, mm-hmm. she basically teed it up and laid it in the laps of all the journalists, say, maybe you guys should look into this. No one ever looked into it. The, the follow-up questions after she said this thing, which we'll talk about tonight, were so ridiculous. They didn't care. They did not I, care. I, there, is a, there was a nuclear, I don't know if you saw the chalkboard this morning, but I added something this morning. I just put a little mushroom cloud. There was an atomic bomb that was dropped, and if that bomb wasn't dropped... I don't think we'd know any of this stuff. But something happened, and we'll explain tonight. Something happened that changed everything, changed everything. And the Democrats thought they were in this fortress, that there was no way anyone could figure this out or find this out. And a bomb was dropped and changed the landscape entirely. And all of a sudden, they're they're in panic mode. Seal the holes, seal the holes, seal the holes. I, mean, I think that there's so much chalk on that chalkboard that if you add one more thing, Glenn, it might just <laughs> collapse. <laughs> and the staff will probably collapse yeah. as well. All right, tonight at uh, 9.30, now it is going to be on my Facebook page and YouTube page. It's going to be live. We are, we are taking it away from the paywall. It'll be with uh, Blaze TV uh, by as soon as the special is over. It'll be on Blaze TV as well. Uh, so you can watch it and watch it again. This is probably one that you're going to have to watch maybe a couple of times. I urge you to watch it and then take it and then just 
stand back for a minute and just look at the chalkboard. Just look at it. And uh, it's, it's a little overwhelming. But watch it tonight. Please tell your friends. Have watch parties. Just get together and watch it. Because this is the narrative. And it is complex. But that's what the media and that's what the left is hoping that you won't be able to understand it. That's what I do best. That's like my only skill. That in set design. The only <laughs> skill that I have is really that of being able to take these dots and put them together and go, wait a minute, look at what we have. So please, we've done our job. Now it'll be your time because this is this is not going to be uh, pushed by YouTube and it's not going to be pushed by Facebook. They'll do everything they can to throttle this. So please go and watch it. We've made it free for you tonight. Uh, if you want to join us, I mean, I have I have an investigative journalist that I would like to hire uh, and uh, this individual would be amazing uh, and I think could spearhead. But this would take I think this would take at least a million dollars to nail everything down beyond what we've nailed down today. We're only going to show you the verifiable facts today. But all of your subscription money goes to do things like this. So please, if you can, subscribe to blazetv.com slash Glenn. If you do it tonight or today, you are going to save $20 with the promo code GB20OFF. So it'll cost you 80 bucks for the year, and it's more than well worth it. You get all of the great voices from the conservatives. You get Steven Crowder. You get Dave Rubin. Uh, Mark Levin, uh, bowling, me. I mean, it's it's this is the the place where the voices are gathering, and about forty other things. So please join us, blazetv.com/glen. Promo code GB20 off, and we will see you tonight, nine thirty Eastern, online, free Facebook and YouTube. Make sure you join us. Thanks, Jason. Thank you get a nap in because i'm about an hour away from getting back into it <laughs> welcome to the glenn Beck program uh we are very very glad uh you're here i i said at one point uh at the end of the obama administration that when he leaves office you will see a scandal that is bigger and will dwarf watergate um I think we found it, and you'll see it tonight at five o'clock. Yeah. Or, sorry, at uh, at nine uh, nine thirty. Five o'clock Eastern. On, yeah. Nine five o'clock on the Blaze. You're going to get a about a thirty minute quick uh, look for anybody who's a subscriber to the Blaze. You'll get that, and everybody gets the whole show at nine o'clock. Yeah, uh, nine thirty. And uh, sorry. <laughs> and just so uh, you know how to watch it, since we are getting uh, down to it today. Uh, Facebook and YouTube, you're going to be able to go see it there. Go to Glenn Beck's page, you're going to be able to see it there. Um, also, if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, this is how these things get funded. It's how these things happen. These big investigations that wind up getting millions and millions of views and change a lot of minds get funded because you are a subscriber to The Blaze. So we thank you for that. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code GB20OFF. You'll get $20 off your subscription. Do we have time to play this montage? No, we're too late. Oh, shoot. Well, you'll have to hear it. You'll have to hear it maybe tonight. Yeah, maybe we'll play it tonight. Uh, yeah. Or we'll definitely play it again on radio. Uh, you can listen to the podcast today. It's on there. Yeah. But the, the montage that he's talking about is all of the times that the people on the left 
said they couldn't believe that Donald Trump might not agree to these election results and honor them. If he says that this isn't an, a legitimate election, it could turn the democracy upside down. And then <laughs> this is what they're doing now. I mean, Hillary Clinton is on record saying yeah. that he's an illegitimate president. He yeah. knows he didn't win on the level, was, I believe, her quote. Yeah, she's you just to trying that. to goad him. Please, Mr. Yeah. President, pay no attention. Help is here. We can, by this time tomorrow, should conservatives choose, they will know the real story and they can help straighten this out. Your frustrating days could be at an end. See you tonight. You're listening to Glenn Beck.